Morning, church. How are we? A couple of you are very good. How are the rest of you? Yeah, how going? You going good? Awesome. Hey, so good to be here with you. And uh, what a great testimony from Jerry about, uh, yeah, changing his heart. And that, that testimony that God gave fivefold um, back after, uh, after he gave. That is just, that's how God works. That's the economy of the kingdom. And uh, that's something that we've got to capture. We're, we're, we're preaching through this series called The Blessed Life. And uh, it's all about finances. It's all about money. Um, and yet it's not. Because actually, it's all about our heart. When you boil it down, when we talk about money and finances, it actually addresses the issue of where our trust is. Who or what do we put our trust in? Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says like this. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You just can't do it. Jesus says you can't do it. And if Jesus says it, if we're Christians, we believe it, right? Okay, if you're not a Christian here, you, you don't have to believe what Jesus says. But uh, if you are, then you profess to believe what he says, right? Yeah. So we agree with that statement, right? Yeah, okay. So how does that play out in our lives? How do we know if money is our master or God is our master? That's a good question. Well, well maybe, it's, maybe it's who is who's ordering us around, not that God orders us around, but who's the boss of our lives? Who makes the calls? Is it God? Or is it your circumstance? Is it the bills that you have to pay? Is it the taxes? Is it the government? Is it your boss? Is it your grocery bill? Who's in charge of what you do with what you have? You see, Another way of answering that question, who's the master, is who do, you, who do you give to first? If you have a master, they, they are in charge. They are the boss. And, and ultimately, if they ask for something of you, then you give it to them. If we're to say, oh, no, God's our master, but then we pay our taxes, we pay the government, we pay um, our grocery bill, and we pay our, our, our petrol, and we pay a mortgage, or our rent, we pay for the kids' stuff, and we pay for all this. Oh, and then at the end, oh, let, we should give something to God. We pay Him last. Well, who's the master? Is it everything else, or is it God? These are Jesus' words. You can't serve two masters. Either you hate one, it's, and it's a strong word, hate or love the other. You'll be devoted. We're talking about our devotion. Oh God, we give you our heart when we're singing it. You know, we're yours. We, And yet, if we're going to give it all, we have to give it all. You've heard that saying, perhaps, that uh, if, if God isn't Lord of all, He's not Lord at all. You see, if He's not Lord of your finances, then He's not Lord of your life. It's that plain. It's that simple. And you are all looking at me quite stunned and like, oh my goodness. Whew, it's gone heavy already. Yeah. 
It has. I'm going straight in there. I make no apologies because I want to preach the Word of God. I don't don't want to namby-pamby around it because Jesus didn't. He talked about money a lot. He said this stuff and He laid it out there pretty clearly for us. You can't serve both God and money. And I think too often we make excuses. We make excuses as to why we can't give it all to God or give to God first. You know, an obvious excuse is, oh, we don't have enough. We can't make it happen. Can I tell you, God can do more with the 90% that He lets you keep because He's blessed it because you gave Him the first 10% than you can do with the 100% that you've kept to yourself. He can do so much more because He's blessed that 90%. We just heard that. For ages, you know, Jerry's struggling to get stuff for their shop. He decides, oh, actually, God, I believe you're telling me to give in this way, this circumstance. I'm going to be obedient to you rather than to me trying to work it out. And in in a week's time, fivefold, he's been blessed. It's the way God works. See, it's a matter of trust. Where's our heart? And actually, I I can preach till I'm blue in the face. We could do this series all year. Don't worry, some of you are looking really nervous now. We could do this series all year and nothing will change unless something changes on the inside of you. Uh, It's actually not an issue of how well I preach. It's whether we have open hearts to be changed by God around this issue of of finance. And actually, why don't you stand to your feet right now? I I, I don't want to preach another word without us, something opening up in us. So I'm just going to ask you to, you know, maybe put your hands out, just stand in a posture of openness, but but agree with me as I pray for open hearts this morning. Father, I thank you. Lord, you want to speak to us through your word. Lord, I pray that it is your words that come and speak and change and bring life. But Father, they'll only bring life if we open ourselves to you. So right now, in this place, we open our hearts where it's been closed around this issue of money, where we've thought, no, I'm not going to let, this happen. Lord, we just open our hearts now. In Jesus' name, come and speak and do a work in our hearts. Change our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Okay, you can grab a seat. It's good. It's good. So we're going to, you can't really look at giving and and generosity without looking at this next passage uh, that we're going to look at today and uh, we're going to focus in on. I'll give you a little bit of uh, background. The, the passage is in 2 Corinthians 9. So it's, uh, it's Paul, the Apostle Paul, early church leader, writing to the church in Corinth. Uh, and he's encouraging them. They've said that they will give. The Corinthian church are fairly wealthy. And so they've said that they will give to the Macedonian church who were really struggling at that time. And so Paul, uh, is essentially, he's writing to them, and we don't need that just yet. Well, uh, I'm just giving you background. Well, he says initially, he, uh, before this verse, he says, uh, pretty much, I'll paraphrase it. He says, hey, you guys said you're going to be generous. That's awesome. Just make sure that you follow through, and you do, because otherwise you're going to make a fool of me and yourselves. Okay? 
And then he goes on, and we'll read now in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 11. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. It's an amazing passage about generosity. It begins talking about sowing and reaping. Remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It's actually echoing what Jesus says in Luke 6.38. He says this, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So sparingly, you'll reap. Not very much. So generously, and you'll receive generously back. With the measure you use, Jesus says, it will be measured to you. It's, it's a principle that Jesus says, that Paul reiterates, that is the heart, it runs throughout the Bible. And we have to capture that idea of sowing and reaping. Actually, let's, let's dive into that idea. Jesus talks about sowing and reaping. And the idea of sowing and reaping is actually throughout the Bible. And the funny thing is with, 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 with sowing and reaping, there's kind of, there's, there's three ideas I want to bring out around it. Firstly is you, you reap what you sow. Now, that may seem pretty obvious, but let me put it this way. If you sow carrots and expect to reap potatoes, you're pretty dumb, right? In the kingdom of God, sometimes I see this in church. We, we think, oh, I don't have to give my money. I'm just going to give of my time. So I'm going to serve, which is great. Um, I'm going to give of my uh, other things that I can bring my gifts, I'm, gonna, I'm a good singer so I can sing or I can do this or I can help with kids. And, and that's awesome. That's great. If you sow in those things, you will reap also, but you won't reap financially. You sow what you reap. You reap what you sow. So if you want, and, and, let me, and make sure you're hearing my heart here, we don't so, so that we will get a reward. That's not the heart of God. But there is a reward attached to it. 
And the reward is that you, when you sow, you will reap. So if you sow financially, you will reap financially. That's how it works. You sow what you reap. The, other, the second thing I'd say is that you sow, sorry, you reap after you sow. That also makes sense, right? But too often I see people with their finances go, oh, I'll give, I'll give once I've got some more. I'll give, once I've got this amount, then I will, um, then I'll start sowing. Well, that's kind of like having a plot of land and saying, well, when the carrots come up, then I'll sow the carrots. That's what you're saying. So when they come up, then I'll sow them. That's dumb. You're going to be waiting a long time and all you're going to grow is weeds. But too often we think that. We think, oh, when I've got a bit more, when I'm financially stable, when I've got that bill paid off, when I've uh, you know, got my student loan sorted, when I've got enough, then I will sow. No. No, the people who get ahead is, are, are those who sow and then, it, and then they reap. And it's, it's easy to look at people and go, oh, it's easy for them to sow. They've got heaps. Well, the way they've got heaps is by sowing first. They didn't start with heaps. They sowed and then they multiplied what they were given. So you, you, you always reap after you sow. And finally, you always reap more than you sow. If you plant a kernel of corn, it'll grow and you might get a, a couple of ears of corn. And these ears have about 400 kernels on them. So you're, you're reaping far, far more then you sow. That's how the kingdom of God works. That's what happened for Jerry in this last week. You always reap more than you sow. The key to this passage, I think, and we'll look at it now, is this verse here. It says, each of you should give what you had decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Turn to your neighbor and give him a smile. That's it, a cheerful giver. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God doesn't want you to give under compulsion. He doesn't want your arms to sit up behind your back. He doesn't, because the thing is, whatever has got you to that point, will have to hold you there the next time you have to give. You see, it really is a matter of the heart. Something's going to shift. Something's going to change in our hearts for us to become cheerful givers. And, and as I said earlier, I can't do that for you. You need, to, you need to open up your heart to God and allow Him to come in and change that heart for you. But it's key. It has to happen if we're to become generous people. And then it goes on and it says, God is able to bless you abundantly in verse 8, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound 
and every good work. You see, God often challenges us in our finance in, in the area of our need. The area of our need. So, our Father, I, I, I need this. I need um, this money. I need a roof over my head. I need this stuff. Therefore, I can't be generous. That's kind of the first test. And, and when it comes to finances and, 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 and God's kingdom, is that will he meet your need? You see, it, it, it comes down to a matter of trust. Can, our, can we trust God with our finances? Can we trust God with all of our life? And he says here that he's able. God is able. That's the question, really, that we ask ourselves. God, are you able? Are you able to provide? Oh, you say you are, but are you really able to? And this is where the rubber hits the road. Uh, do we trust him enough to go, yeah, no, actually, you are able in my life to bless abundantly so that in all things, you know, I went back to the Greek, and in, in the Greek, in all things means all things. There, I know, it's deep. It actually means everything and all things at all times. So whether the, you know, the, the housing market is going crazy, whether you've got lots of debt, whether whatever is happening in your, at all things at all times, God is able to meet your need. It's a, it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of trust. Do I, God, do I trust you to meet my need? And too often I see Christians not able to take that step. They're going, actually, uh, I can. I can trust God. And so I will give. Note that it's meet your every need. It's not meet your every woman fancy. It's not meet your every want. That's, that's not what Jesus offers us. He will meet every need and we will live a, the most fulfilling life, but it's not about him being a sugar daddy in the sky and meeting every want and whim and fancy. But then it says, having all that you need, so you will have all you need, you will abound in every good work. You will abound in righteousness, another version says. If you want to become more like Jesus, which hopefully if you're a Christian, you do, then we just need to become more generous. We need to trust Him with all of us. And as we trust Him, He will provide. And He will provide so much that we can abound in every good work. We can abound in righteousness. We can be the blessing that God has called us to be in the world around us. That's cool. Who wants to be a blessing to the world around us? You're, you're really quiet this morning, church. I need some more encouragement. Just say, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll take that. Okay. The, 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 better, the better you encourage, the better I'll preach. Um, so it's true. Right, let's go on. Uh, let's go down to verse 10. Now he who supplies... Seed to the sower and bread for food. Let's just stop there. He who supplies seed to the sower. We talked about uh, sowing and reaping before. God provides seed to who? The sower. That's key. See, God won't provide seed to the keeper, to the withholder, 
to the person who has stuff for themselves, he will supply seed to the sower and bread for food. So he'll, he'll supply your bread. He'll supply your needs. He, he won't leave you. But if you want to have something to sow, you have to be a sower. If you want an overflow from God, you have to be able to give it away. Because he won't provide seed to someone who doesn't sow it. It's that whole idea of stewardship all over again. He's looking. God's scanning the world. He's like, who's going to be putting to use what I give them? Who's going to sow it well so that they can reap a harvest? And I will give it to that person. But if we withhold, if we have a spirit that's like, oh, I've only got enough for me, and I'm just going to keep enough for me, and I'm just going to scrimp and save and just get by, then God's not ever going to give you seed. You'll get bread. You'll get enough to eat because He'll meet your every need. He promises to do that. But if you want to sow, then you've got to start scattering some seed. You've got to start giving it away. And, and get this, it says, and we'll also supply and increase your store of seed. So the more that you give, the more that you sow, he's going to go, wow, this is great. And you're going to become a, a channel, a conduit of blessing for other people. And so he's just going to keep giving you more and increase the store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. That's what we're talking about before. It goes beyond just money. He's going to increase the harvest of your righteousness. The impact that you have in your world, the way you can bless those around you will increase as you start to sow. You'll be enriched, verse 11, in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. How good is that? God gets the glory in the end. When we give and we are generous, thanksgiving will go to God. I know that, so uh, what Jerry didn't say, but he shared before, he, they gave it to this uh, couple who were traveling around um, who, who weren't Christians. One, she was German, he's French. They're just here for a week and, uh, and they're gone. And we'll probably never see them again. But they are looking. I, I talked to her after the service. She's looking for something. She's searching. And... You know, she comes to church, they come to church, and probably their expectation when they come to church is that, oh, the church is going to ask for some money from them. They leave church instead, having encountered God with money, and, and she was in tears. God, you know, we our harvest of righteousness, when we become sowers, when we become givers, we'll, you know, they'll go back to France, Germany, they'll probably get plugged into a quipper's uh, Frankfurt or Berlin or somewhere around there and, uh, and who knows their future we, we'll probably only find out in heaven but a seed has been sown in their lives see that's what the kingdom of God is so often Jesus talks about sowing seed the kingdom of God is about sowing seed and we don't always see the harvest immediately but there is a harvest there is something coming from that seed you know just to change tack a bit, there's kind of three degrees or three levels of giving in the kingdom of God. First of all, there's our tithes. So that's, and we've talked about that. I don't want to go over it again, but that's, that's the baseline. That's the starting point. That's giving our, our first fruit, our best to God, that 10%. That's, our, uh, that's the starting point. And I encourage you, if you haven't started doing that, you need to start doing that. Not 
for the sake of the church, but for the sake of your own finances. Because God will bless the other 90%, far more than you can bless the 100% by yourself. When you give that 10% to God, you are, in fact, are blessing all the rest of it, redeeming the rest of it for God's purposes and His kingdom. And so that's the first step is tithes. And then there's offerings. And this is actually what the church in Corinth is doing. They're giving an offering to the church in Macedonia. They're supporting them. The, the, the word has gone out that Macedonian people need help. And so the church has taken up an offering and they're giving it. That's the second source. You've got tithes, you've got offerings. And then you've got what I'll call uh, painful offerings or um, extravagant offerings Crazy offerings, I don't know, you, you can think up your own word for it. But there are offerings that are, go beyond just giving something. They really cost you. And now it's gone really quiet in here. <laughs> We're going to look at one of these today. We're going to look at an amazing passage from John. Uh, John 12. I'll read it to you and then we'll break it down. John 12, 1 to 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that you should save this, she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. This story still gets me. Can you imagine working for a year? Okay, you've worked for a whole year, and then you've gone out and you've bought, you remember those old milk bottles that we used to get delivered, the glass ones? Okay, that's a pint. You can, if you're a drinker, you can think a pint of beer, but getting that much perfume. Okay, you've worked for a year, you've got this. And you pour it out. And that's your year gone. Everything you've done, all the work that you've slaved at for a year, poured out just like that. That's crazy. That's extravagant. That still blows my mind, thinking about it now. Why? Why is Mary doing this? What a, a strange thing to do. See, the beautiful thing about this is that Mary is, isn't actually giving just some perfume She's in essence giving her life. She's, she's, she's kneeling at Jesus. She did it to his feet as well. Like you're pouring out this expensive, you at least want to put it on his head. 
But she's pouring it out on his feet and then washing his feet with her hair. Like, ah, it's crazy. But what she's essentially saying is, Jesus, I give you all of me. You know, we said before and so many times, it's about the heart. She is essentially saying, Jesus, you have my heart. You have my everything. I, 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 I give you my life. I've spent a year earning the money for this, and I'm just going to give it to you as an offering because I love you. That is actually what Jesus wants of us. He wants us to pour out our lives as an offering to him. He doesn't want your 10%. He wants your everything. He wants your heart. He wants your life. And so, so Mary pours this out. And there's an amazing juxtaposition here. There's a, it's, it's crazy. There's, there's, there's generosity and, and there's selfishness just coming to loggerheads right in this passage because we've got, we've got Mary and her amazing heart and then we've got Judas and his ugly attitude. And I think it's so true when we talk about being generous. In our hearts, there's this battle. There's this battle here in the, externally between Mary's heart and, and, and Judas's. But in us, every time we feel a, an urge to be generous, there's this battle with the Judas inside of us, the selfish one that's like, oh, I don't want to give that. I could do so much with that money. Oh, I've got my earmarked that money for something else for me or something that I want to do. And, and there's a battle in us. It's just in this passage, the battle is external and we see it for what it is. And so Judas, he says, oh, you know, why wasn't the perfume sold? The money could have been given to the poor. Uh, you know, Judas didn't give a rip about the poor. Let's be, let's be quite honest here. We know why, because it says in the very next sentence, he used to help himself to the money bag. So he really, the only thing Judas is interested in is, is oh man, if she'd given that into the offering, I could have had a good cut of that. That could have been, and man, we think, oh, Judas, you're so naughty. What a bad, bad man Judas is. Gosh, I'm glad I'm not like Judas. But you see, in our hearts, when we see someone who's wealthy, Maybe they've got a really flash car and we're like, imagine what I could do with that money. Man, if, if, if I had as much as them, man, I would be able to do so much. Imagine this kids that I could sponsor if I had that much money. Man, imagine, imagine what I could do if I earned what they earned. Does anybody else think like that? Is it just me? Am I just preaching to myself here? But let's be honest. We've all thought that before, haven't we? We've all thought, oh, I've got so much. Well, the truth is, 90% of the world has far less than us. So we just look at the top 1% and think, oh, were they weird? Well, they had we would be. No, 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 no. Look at what you do have. Look at what you can give. Don't, get, don't let that Judas attitude sneak into your heart and start judging other people. You don't know what they've done. You don't know how much they've given. You don't know their heart to God. And you don't need to know. You're going to stand before God, and you're only going to be held accountable for what you've done, 
with what you've been given. And everybody else, they will be held accountable as well. Don't you worry about them. But he's such a, such a crazy uh, image here of Mary's heart and Judas's heart. And I think what Mary did in her generosity, we, we, we still struggle to, con- to, to comprehend, to understand. But what, what I would say is that every gift, every gift that we give is never wasted. Every time we are generous, it's never wasted. Can I invite the keys to come up? You see, she didn't really understand until Jesus says, and let's have a look, in, in the Mark version of this, in, in Mark 14, it says, she did what she could. This is Jesus speaking. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. She didn't know that. Actually, they weren't going to get time between Jesus being crucified and being put in the tomb. There, there wouldn't be time around the Sabbath for him to be properly prepared. And so actually, she prepared him for burial in that time, in that space. That gift was not wasted. And then it goes on, says, Truly I tell you, in verse 9, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. You see, this amazing act that that Mary did is talked about even now, 2,000 years later. it's, it's It's been memorialized forever. This amazing gift. Whatever you give, However generous you are, you might not see an immediate reward, but there will be a reward. Now, that's not our motive. That's not why we give, but it will be there. It is true. Actually, you can't avoid it. God will always reward the sower. He'll always reward generosity. It doesn't actually matter. Whether you want it or not, it's the principle. We're going to do, I actually, now there's one, there's one more thing I want to talk about. See, we've we talked a lot about, about giving and, and, and generosity, and, and I believe we all need to be generous people. But actually, there are, there are some of you who you have a gift of generosity. It talks about in Romans 12, 6 to 8, it talks about, uh, they're called motivational gifts. And uh, I won't read it all out to you, but in, in verse 7 there, it says, I've highlighted it, if it is giving, then give generously. Some of you will have actually have a, a spiritual gift of giving. And that's cool. And I just want to encourage you in that. And what, what, what we're going to do in a moment, we're going we're to pray. And I'm not going to ask you to show your hand because if you do have a, a gift of giving, you probably want to, uh, you don't want everybody to know. Um, and, and also we don't want to be showing partiality, but I really do want to release that gift in your life. And if you think, man, maybe I do have the gift or I would like the gift of giving. I want to be a generous person. Then I want to pray for you as well. We're going to do that in a moment. The other thing we're going to do is actually we are going, excuse me, to be like the, Mass- uh, be like the Corinthian church. 
and we're going to give an offering to another church, actually to to a school run by a church. So um, last year, you might remember, uh, we have a church in Tonga, in the kingdom of Tonga, and uh, that uh, church runs a school, um, Axe School in Tonga, and they had a cyclone sweep through their school and knock down their, literally knock down their buildings. And, uh, and so they've been meeting and just ramshack just wherever they could for the last while, but they are rebuilding. They're building two classrooms, um, and they uh, end of last year at a, at a pastors' meeting with all the pastors' leaders from Equippers Churches in New Zealand. We said, "Wouldn't it be amazing if we could, right here and now, agree to give enough money to build one of those classrooms for the school? It was Ninety thousand dollars that they were looking for a classroom uh, to be built, and uh, and so I was like, "Yeah, that's cool." Well, let's let's pledge some money from from our church, and uh, and we haven't had a we haven't had a chance to take up an offering for that, and uh, we pledged three thousand dollars as a church towards that. I reckon we could do that and more, um, but I've been waiting for an opportunity to take up an offering, and I think now's the perfect time. We've just been talking about the Corinthian church, giving to another church in need. You know, the kingdom of Tonga is not a wealthy nation. And uh, it's why I think quite possibly more Tongans live in Auckland than in Tonga. Uh, It's because that's our nation is where the money is. And so we want to be able to give generously to them and see this this, uh, classroom built. So uh, along those lines, uh, I haven't even warn the, uh, the ushers, sorry, team. Um, but I want us to give. And there are, there are different ways you can give. Um, you can, I don't imagine you carry a whole lot of cash on you, so uh, we won't do it like that. But there is, uh, there is a cash box out there if you want to, but you can, um, you can write a pledge. So we'll have some envelopes and uh, you can write a pledge. You can also use push pay. So we have an app. Um, you can get an app on your phone. You can give like via that. You can also give, um, we have a, a machine out the back, basically an FPOS machine. You can give through that. Um, so there's many ways that you can do this, but wouldn't it be amazing this morning we could raise that money to support uh, the rebuilding of a classroom in Tonga. Would that be cool? I reckon that would be awesome. Why don't you stand to your feet? I love that we're a practical church. I love that we don't just talk about giving, we actually do it. I think that's healthy. I think Jesus talked about people who just talked about stuff and didn't do it. They were called hypocrites. And I know that we are not a hypocritical church. I know that we're a church that believes what we, uh, what we say and believes uh, the words of Jesus and, and act on it. So uh, I want to pray for two things. Let's just... In this moment, I want to pray for you. If you feel, yeah, I want to have the gift of giving. You don't have to raise your hand, but just in your heart, agree. I want to pray for you. And then I'm going to pray for this offering uh, and for uh, the, the school in Tonga. Is that cool? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you call us all to be generous. You call us all to be givers. But Father, I recognize also that for some of us, there's a spiritual gift of giving. 
of generosity. And I pray right now you would release that in people here this morning, that, that if there's something resonating in their hearts and like, yeah, I want to be able to give and to give generously to the kingdom of God. And, and I feel like that's a mandate that God has given me. Then Father, I release that gift now in Jesus' name. And I pray that you would release that and they would start that journey of giving to your kingdom. And Father, we pray for the church in Tonga. We pray for Pastor Mata Ali and, uh, and his, his leadership. We pray your blessing on them. And we pray for the school uh, in Tonga that is doing such an awesome job, but Father is doing it on limited resources. God, I pray right now you would bless them you would help the rebuild to go well. And I pray that you would bless this offering, this money that we give. Let us be like the Corinthian church who are able to give, able to sow generously. And Father, we will even reap, not that we sow to reap, but we will even reap through this giving. We pray you would bless this and you would bless the church there in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So there's, there's buckets uh, with envelopes. Just grab an envelope. Um, you can write it down. But I, I pray that you'll, God will give you a number. You'll be able to give generously into that. While they're going, they are going past, I just want to talk to one more group of people. And that's if, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, if you haven't given your heart to Him, then I want to give you that opportunity. This is perhaps the most important part of the, the message and so I don't want to skip over it. If you're here, and you know that, actually, you've heard about Jesus, but you don't know if you really know Him in your heart. You don't know if you have a relationship with Him. Then I want to give you that opportunity because you can. Jesus loves you. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. And He wants to walk with you as a friend, as a brother. So just with every eye closed and head bowed in this place, if you're here this morning and you want to walk in relationship with God through His Son, Jesus, I just encourage you, raise your hand. I'll see it. You can put it down and then we will all pray together. Is there anybody here who wants to make that decision? Maybe you've made that decision in the past, but you want to renew that commitment to follow Him. You too, feel free to raise your hand. I'll see it. You can put your hand down. Is there anybody here this morning? Okay, I'm not seeing any hands, so you can raise your eyes. You can look at me. And you can all go, phew. Everybody say, phew. You've made it through our series on money. Huh. But I, look, <laughs> I really hope that something has shifted in your heart. That's my prayer. Like I said, I don't want to have to preach this again next week. Um, and, and my prayer really is that, that you'll, you'll grasp something of God's heart. You'll grasp His heart. And in doing so, your life will be blessed. You'll be able to live the blessed life. Amen.